Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. The Fairweather Podcast is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. What up? Bow, 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 bow. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> What's up, Chris? How are you doing? Man, I'm doing good right now. Just sipping on this uh, Americano with all kinds of caramel drizzle up inside. Very, very nice. I grabbed a quick beer real quick. Uh, sorry, we're getting a little. Sorry, we're getting a little late start. This is all my fault. Uh, I went to uh, go to practice and do some interviews, and uh, they played a game at the end of practice, and it went on forever. So that's why we are a little bit late. Well, I was really going to ask you if you got the message from Brew. Do you know what I, that message? Do you know what that message was? No. What was that message? To grab a brew. Oh, to grab a brew. That's he was funny. yelling at me, but that's more about his one of his squeaky toys than necessarily a beer. And so we tell him in the morning, like, dude, can you make some coffee? It's in your name. You sh- you're on coffee duty. And he never he never comes through. He's just well, adorable, you know, though. He's adorable. Sometimes it's a, uh, you know, doggy toy world. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a lot of them. He goes like he goes toy fishing. We have like this bucket that we keep all his toys in, and he will like he'll play with one mostly, and then all of a sudden we'll just like dig in this toy bucket for whatever toy he's looking for, and he's never happy. He's never happy, but yeah, yeah they're a little bit on edge again because I just got home. My wife's at drumline practice, so you're gonna hear plenty of dog barks in the background, and uh, they're just um, giving their two cents. That's it. I mean, I'm, I'm down with it. You know, you might hear a little bit of the fridge. I'm in the, a different location tonight, sitting in the kitchen. Um, so you get to kind of see a little bit of that refrigerator art. Um, one of my friends, nice. little daughters, um, basically gave me a couple of different um, coloring pages. And so I threw them up on the fridge and they've been up there for a few months, kind of making everything look good. And, uh, and of course, a couple of scarves. Hang it from the pantry, man. Just a little makeshift studio like you'd like to do it. Nice. Um, yeah, so uh, we haven't uh, caught up in a little bit. You've uh, How you been the past couple weeks? Ooh, you know, running a supporters group from the ground up is uh, a lot of work. And, you know, um, I can just really kind of capture it as moments. They're just moments. Each one's a different one. And uh, we just launched our membership two days ago. So, um, nice. kind of a sigh of relief. You know, I, uh, I had a beer after I wrote mm-hmm. about, wrote about two pages of copy. And, right. um, so now, you know, just, just doing well, you know, so I can't complain. I, I'm glad to be sitting here with you and, uh, to be getting this pod going. Yeah. It's been a, a little bit of a weird week in loyal land. Um, we've had one match and it was a, a friendly, um, so not a whole lot of games to talk about, um, but uh, and also because of that, not too many guys getting recognized for their play. Uh, but we did want to talk briefly about uh, the friendly that just happened. Uh, pretty historic matchup. Uh, I know in the preseason, a lot of us were, were a little bit upset that we didn't get to watch 1904 play Loyal for the first time. Uh, but this kind of cross-border game had been on people's minds since the team was announced, and we uh, got to see it. Um, I know, uh, like, I think El Paso played 
Cruz Azul. Someone played Cruz Azul. So there's a couple of these Liga Mekis, uh kind of USL teams because it's preseason for them. Uh, and we got to see them come up. Uh, they brought their first team with them, uh, played a little bit longer than they should have. I think they had an agreement to switch at halftime, and then they didn't. Um, and uh, But also, uh, speaking of supporter groups, uh, La Massacre came. Uh, they were a little bit late. I think they had some problems getting in, uh, but that was a, a, a fun uh, deal. Brew's excited about them, too. Um, and, yeah, it was a pretty historic matchup. Um I'm sure you, as a uh, uh, watching from afar, if you will, um, what was your take on uh, the Sholo San Diego just historic matchup and why it is important? Well, as I was kind of telling you a little offline, I didn't get to watch the match just because of the fact that it wasn't nationally televised. By the time I found it, there was just all this kind of hoopla with me trying to get online. But I caught some, I caught some highlights and whatnot. I think just. Overall, it's it's nice for that sort of thing to happen. I always think about friendlies and um, <clears throat> and how it's it would be really good for a USL team to kind of you know play those Liga MX teams, um, just because I think that like we're always so concerned about playing teams again from like championship and you know and 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 League One or and, and yeah League One. You know what I mean? That or sorry, the Prem and the Championship. We're always concerned about those teams, but we got great teams in Mexico, and uh, the talent is just uh, unbarred, really. Yeah, I, I believe I heard uh, very high quality. Uh, I heard very expensive players is another uh, uh, qualifying term for uh, even just Cholos, and Cholos is kind of mid-table bubble playoff team, but they're still, I mean, they're still players. Um, and I, I think this is something that we're going to look forward to both uh, hosting them, but also getting a chance to uh, travel down uh, across the border and seeing Sholos play loyal in Tijuana. I know there's a lot of folks looking forward to that one because uh, there is a, a pretty big uh, collection of people in the San Diego region who are Sholos fans because for a really long time that was the closest pro team uh, playing soccer in San Diego. Like you, you can either go up to Orange County um, or you can watch, you know, a NISA team. But as far as that high level, it's LA or Sholos. And there was a lot of people who traveled across the border. Um, the other thing that um, I wanted to uh, point out is most uh, some people don't know that Liga MX is the most popular soccer league in the United States as far as viewership of average games um, outside of maybe a really key premier premier league matchup or like the Euros or the World Cup uh, most people are tuning in to watch these Liga MX teams and obviously it's not Cholos uh, isn't that top draw usually it's like you know Club America and you know some of these other top line Cruz Azul uh Shivas, you know, some of these like big, big names, but the fact that we're crossbreeding, not crossbreeding, that's not the right word, uh, cross pollinate, cross pollinating, there you go, cross, uh, cross pollinating, uh, some of these soccer fan bases. I know it was a really like the, the atmosphere was really good. Uh, people commented on that, and I think it's going to bring new fans into Loyal, but it also introduced some fans from Loyal fan base that there is this other team that you might find some people be like, hey, we played them a friendly, I'm going to follow them a little bit. And I think it's it's it just 
builds that soccer community in a way that I know a lot of people were really excited about. Um, packed house, sold out. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty fun to be there and to um, have the two supporters groups going, um, but also a, a chance for some of these youth players to play in front of a packed house with high energy. Um, Nate Miller said that some of the kids played in Seattle, but there weren't any fans there. So this was the first time a lot of them played in this professional environment in front gonna, of fans. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, what what do you think made like was there any sort of a difference in this day versus like a regular um, comp, league competition day? Like, what what little things kind of made the day different for you? I mean, obviously, being a friendly, there's a little bit less on the line. You you, you want to see your guys do well, but obviously, it's an opportunity to uh, try some stuff out. So, it didn't feel like. It didn't feel real until La Masacre showed up and they showed up like 15 minutes into the match. And they, you know, the the energy level was palpable in the stands. Like even when we were drumming and singing, we knew something was happening. And I think our energy level went up and I think it really energized the fan base, the loyal fan base. Uh, Not so much because of what was happening on the pitch, but what was happening in the stadium itself. I think Landon Donovan after the match uh, mentioned that like he kind of just sat back and enjoyed it. It was one of those, it was a lot less high stakes. Um, I think the Costa de Este one felt a little bit more like energetic because it was brand new. This one felt like, Oh, it's a friendly and they're going to play well. We're going to show up. We're going to cheer. It's going to be great. But I think a lot of people were surprised by how much energy there was. Um, the play itself was pretty decent. Like I thought Loyal held themselves well. I mean, one nil. Like I thought Cholos were going to get a couple, uh, but obviously they're still in the middle of their preseason. Um, talk about some like, uh, talk about some finesse some style. I mean, was there a little bit of that sort of uh, a fancy footwork or a little bit of that showmanship that we saw out like that we can see in these matches that are like high profile? I, I think a little bit. Um, I, I thought both teams in the first half uh, were definitely trying some things out and, um, and and trying to be a little bit fancier. Maybe um, in, a, in a game, maybe you see some guys take some shots where these guys are trying to find some extra passes or uh, be a little bit you know, sneaky here and there. I think there was a little bit of that kind of trying to show. I don't want to say show off. That's not the right word because they're professionals. But I right. think that they're... There was a little bit of uh, was a little bit of edge to the match in the first half for sure because it's like Loyal wants to perform well against Liga Mekis team and they also want to be like no we're, we're we want to try some stuff out and get some minutes and they left their starters in a little bit longer than they were supposed to I think they were all supposed to swap out at halftime so Loyal's kids came on the mat came on the pitch and Sholos didn't start making changes until uh, into the second half. And so that's when things kind of changed a little bit. But the fact that they didn't score was like was a big deal. Like it was very much like Loyal was parked into their half, and and there's a lot of pressure, uh, which led to some pretty exciting saves, some really good defensive work. And so there was a lot to be entertained with. There just weren't those goals, but there were really good saves, uh, really good defensive heads up play, and I think the kids handled themselves pretty well. Right on. Yeah, and then with uh, talking about those kids, 
Um, they're, you know, 16, 17 year old kids getting to experience that professional environment for the first time. And uh, I asked Nate if anyone uh, got any minutes or earned any minutes. He said, hey, it's not just about where they are, but it's about who's in front of them. And right now, you know, a lot of these kids, they have really good professionals ahead of them. So we might see some kids pop in and out depending on injuries and or uh, length or uh, the games coming. You know, we, when we have those Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, you might see a couple of these guys get a few minutes. I think they've you can say that they pretty they, they might have earned it. Uh, but he's they said we don't want to be that team that's just like giving minutes away just to give minutes away, like bringing a kid in for four or five minutes into the match. They're like, no, yeah. we want them to bust the door open. Um, yeah, that, and that's good because um, there are enough a number of teams that even put their professionals in for like the last 10, 15 minutes. Just, you know, and maybe it's to to stimulate the game again or try to get that, you know, that clutch like play that would happen. But I'm glad to know that um, head coaches are not trying to just stick academy kids in like, hey, you played for two minutes. Like, You've, you know, that you've got that on your, your record. I definitely do agree that they should earn it, yes, but busting the door down, yeah. And, I mean, you're right, injury. That is that is something, but, you know, you got to imagine with some of the top prospects that are on Loyal Select that, you know, that it will get to a place where maybe they're just beating out the professional just in general and not because of an injury, not because of a uh, frequency of matches, you know what I'm saying? Just straight up like, hey, like he earned this spot this week. And I think that is a, a mentality with the team right now is that they want to create this professional environment where these kids, when if they go to a different team, they're already geared up to have that competition. They're not just going to be given minutes because they're 16 or 17. It's when we, if and when we sign that professional contract, and maybe it's not with Loyal, maybe it's, it is with a different team, that they're they're trained up to be competitors on the team itself. And it's it's something that I've noticed in some of these practices that it's not like they're going through the motions. They're competing with each other to get those spots and it's it's a serious but friendly competition. You can tell that the team is really like coming together and, and really cohesive. But it's also like I saw I, you know guys going at it in headers. Like they're talking smack to each other when you know they score goals on each other or before they score goals on each other. So it's like they're creating this environment where it's a really healthy competition, and the kids are right there in the middle of it. It's not like the, the academy kids are off to the side. They're in that mix fighting for those minutes along with these, you know, established professionals. Now is a kid going to just, you know, is is Xavi going to displace Charlie Adams? Probably not like, but you want him fighting against a guy like Charlie Adams because it raises their game a lot. And that's what Nate Miller also said today was like, we've seen huge development, like leaps and bounds because we're making these kids compete to get on the pitch. That's what you want from your academy, right? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, and I mean, Nate Miller knows knows best, right? I mean, coming from a coming from a League One squad as well as um, another division even lower than that. I mean, you know, he's got a, a good handle, a good touch with the youth. So, uh, yeah. Again, you know, 
hats off to the academy though just just think it's it's it won't be long and once it starts it's it, the door is just gonna just be wide yeah and i think that's the other thing we need to be you know we want to be patient with these players as well is you don't want to just throw them out there and be like this is how we develop it's like let's pump the brakes let's get the kids a chance to develop let's give the academy a chance to kind of figure out what it is and how it works because i mean we've seen this time and time again between academies and local clubs and there's all that politics that gets in the middle of it uh that people start to you know egos start to get in the way we wanted this to develop slowly so there's a clear pathway of your club team is important and that's where you're going to do some of your development. But when those those kids were at the right at the top, that next step is that loyal academy. That loyal academy is that path to pro. And I know that's kind of like an Orange County deal, but I think that's what every USL team wants: is that the kids play in these club teams. They learn to play the game. They learn to play the game the right way. They move up to the academy. The academy trains them into the professionals, and then the professional level, our job. I believe Loyal's job is to move them on to the next level. It's not like we're training USL players. We're training. Brew agrees. We want to be training that next level MLS player, that guy who goes to Europe, like we saw with Lou City this this uh, today yesterday. Is guys getting looks in from Europe from USL, and I think there's a lot to do there that's positive for Loyal. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, you. You, you, once you see it happen, it's going to really thread the needle. Um, you know, once the academy players are coming in, because you're not just like hearing about, hey, we've got academy players. Oh, hey, loyal selects. Maybe one day we'll see some of these players. Like, it's not, they didn't create this thing to be like, oh, hey, maybe you'll see one of these guys level up when he's like 23. Like, they created this so that they could start signing these guys to first team contracts where they're able to go in between. Uh, loyal select and first team and you know and pretty like i said like at the point when they're eligible like you just might see them a lot sooner and that's great because you know think about how the teams are stocking the are stocking the rosters like you're getting a lot of guys it's really rare that you're getting guys that are like coming into their prime as they like hit your roster they're players that have been around for a while um they have you know a lot of miles on their legs but imagine these young kids hungry, you know, wanting to do, you know, this thing like on the pro time. Like they're, that's like the quintessential of like what it is to see like someone who's like 17 playing in the prem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think, I think this is overall a positive thing. It was nice to see them. Um, if we see them again this season, it's because they've earned it. And that's something to celebrate when we do see. Uh, one of these academy kids get another look in in a game, and I, I think that's something to keep an eye on. That means that things are going well in practice for them, and that that they're developing, and we can celebrate that when we see that. It's not like a token. Here you go. Uh, so that's good to hear. Um, yeah, we have a match tomorrow. OC. Yeah, OC's coming to town. Um, and this is going to be a, a really important matchup for this part of the season. This is, you know, two of the hottest teams in the USL uh, coming at each other. Um, neither team has lost since May, I believe. Um, I think it was May 29th for Orange County and May 24th, I believe. 
so it's been a long time since either of these teams have lost a match. Now there's some draws in there, uh, but I think I mean these are the two two of the hottest teams in the USL. This is going to be a good test uh, for uh, San Diego, uh, and I think Orange County wants to come in and be like, no, we're still, you know, we're still in that top because they're they're fighting for that top spot because Phoenix dropped points to Charlotte. Uh, so there's a lot to be motivated with. Um, what do you think uh, Loyal wants to look to do in this match? I mean, Loyal ultimately wants to just be able to uh, disrupt uh, any bit of attack that OC has. I mean, we've seen, like I was just watching uh, the OC Sacramento match, and I mean, obviously they're running a pretty standard 4-4-2 um, you know, they've got Chris Wehan kind of dropped to like like a left like wing, if you will, kind of on the on the outside. Like he's known to play that position and then kind of drop more central. Um they looked really good in that match. I know that's not saying a lot because Sacramento's really just they're they're striking the matches, but just nothing is really like catching fire. But still, um you can't you can't take any opponent lightly. You gotta respect the, the opponents, you know, and what they've been able to do in previous seasons and, and who's the gaffer and all of that. So um, definitely want to disrupt the attack of OC, you know, as well as, you know, creating chances. Like, you know, they need to get kind of out. I mean, I know that teams aren't really concerned about things like goal differential and, you know, scoring bags of goals. You know, although as you know, obviously as fans, we love to see like all these goals. We like to see a spread, a convincing defeat, and everything like that. Um, but just chance creation is huge, and you know, seeing success with their offensive scheme. Yeah, I think Orange County and San Diego are also in a, a pretty similar position where um, Orange County is looking for guys to step up and score because Thomas Adam Volton's injured, Adam John's injured. Um, Damas Damas is on international duty with Haiti. Uh, So they're missing a lot of their goal scorers through injury and international call-up. Whereas Loyal, you know, Miguel Berry got recalled, and that was a huge part of that offense. And so when you take a look at these two teams when they played earlier is you have – Damas and you have Miguel Berry both missing. Uh, and so you're looking for those secondary scores where Loyal got, gets it from Miguel Ibarra or, or Guido or Jack Blake. Orange County is picking that up from guys like Chris Weehan. Uh, they just signed um, or they got Apodaca on loan. Uh, so right now, Orange County is trying to find that scoring the same way Loyal's trying to find that scoring. Right. And, um, it's going to feel a little bit different than pre- the previous match. I think the previous match um, felt pretty uh, – I think San Diego might be a little bit hard done by that draw um, against Orange County on the road. I think Orange County um, is going to look to um, maybe do some uh, have some counterattacks uh, yeah, they dominated possession against Sacramento, but Sacramento got a yellow card um, or, uh, late in the first half. Um, so they might look to uh, give up possession like they did against Colorado Springs 
Uh, they had 33% of possession. They won 2-0 on the road. So I think what they might do is sit back, defend really well, because their defensive unit is really solid. Rob Kiernan playing center back. Uh, Nathan Smith had a heck of a game. Um, Brett Richards is going to be a guy to keep an eye on as well on the right uh, left back position, right back mm-hmm. position. Uh, he's a throw-in beast, and with our kind of shorter, uh, narrower field, that's really going to come in handy um, against San Diego, and they're going to have to defend those long throw-ins. So I think that they're going to look for set pieces, and they're going to look for some counterattacks with Brian Olosky and Chris Weehan. Uh, what I think San Diego wants to do is control the ball, and then when things get turned over, you got to press to make sure that they're not uh, counter breaking. Um, you know Chris Weehan really well. Let's talk about some of the strengths of his play. Chris Weehan's a great distributor, uh, great ball distributor. I mean, you know, they don't just kind of throw out there that he was the 2017 uh, Rookie of the Year for anything. He was also the, the assist leader as well. Um, Weehan is like earlier in his career, obviously, was just very prominent in distributing the ball. I mean, what would you do if you had Dane Kelly as your lead man, you know, going for all the scores. I mean, the guy the guy was a genius. So, I mean, we had definitely a great distributor, a great leader uh, in the locker room, rallies guys together, um, you know. But he's, all, he's also someone who likes to score, you know, and he's always said it like he likes to be around the goal, um, whether he's up top or he's dropped down in the middle or on the sides. Like, I mean, he, he loves to kind of be a little bit more – central if anything um you know like i said like so like i said in this last match he was out on the left side and uh, he was able to kind of come up the left channel he gets in there he's got good vision good sight uh definitely a very dangerous player and i mean he's got range so he can definitely hit from outside the 18 as well as you know finding these little cheeky like um you know entry points to like assist his teammates and such and, uh, and beware of the shimmy shake, man, because the moment that he kind of comes in and he's, you know, doing a little head fake and he, like, drops the dead arm where one is, like, looks like it's just by its side, it's a shimmy shake, man, and nothing good comes from that, so. Yeah, I know he's been a little bit uh, hit and miss for Orange County. Uh, he shows up from time to time and puts in a really good match, and then sometimes he just can't quite – and maybe it's just that the the front line is having some issues that he doesn't have that guy to really uh, pump balls into. Uh, and kind of like where Loyal's struggling as well with, you know, you had Miguel Berry, and Miguel Berry is phenomenal hold-up play and a, as like a target man. Uh, so guys can run off of him. We've been missing that, and I think that's what Orange County's been missing as well. Ero Markinen is huge. He's like six foot six. Um, his brother plays for the Bulls, I believe. Uh but he, Markinen doesn't quite have that same athletic ability that you might see with the Miguel Berry. Um, so I, I think they're kind of struggling with their identity as well. So it's going to be an interesting match as San Diego and Orange County seem to uh, are trying to kind of rediscover that groove. They've been playing really well, mm-hmm. but they're neither of them have been like really, really deadly. Like Orange County drew Tacoma nil-nil. Uh, San Diego drew... Sacramento one one, so it's like there. There's been a little bit of dip in form, but they're still, uh, you know, Loyal and Orange County are still in contention to be uh, playoff teams in the West. Um, Orange County, let me. I'm pulling up the 
pulling up the standings right now. Orange County right now is a, has a game in hand and is three points ahead of us. Um, and so, you know, you take a look at some of those those four points you drop against Phoenix, and you're looking at, you know, hey, we would be one, we would be right there, It'd be 23, 22, and 21. So, like, yeah, some of that hurts, but I think Loyal can really put a marker down tomorrow and say, hey, we're still one of the best teams in the West. We started out a little bit rough, but we've been five and three since. Five wins, three draws. Uh, Orange County is at six wins, three draws, and two losses. Um, but again, their defensive record is um, tied for second best in the USL with nine goals allowed in 11 games. So it's going to be tough to score against them. Uh, they have 17 goals for, we have 16 goals for. So we got to keep them off. We got to, we got to fight for that clean sheet. I think this is the, do you think Orange County or do you think San Diego can keep a clean sheet tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, but let, like, let's look at that though. I mean, keeping a clean sheet, you know, more likely more of the energy is going to go into really trying to keep them. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, keeping a clean sheet, I feel like more of their energy is going there and they need to be able to distribute it back into also like putting in a score as well. Um, so I think it is possible, but that also kind of says like, will they get a score as well? Or will it be kind of a nil nil situation? Um, just because, you know, Orange County is knocking on the door. They just put two, I, I believe they put what two away in the last match, just from when I was watching against Sacramento. So, I mean, you know, when it's, when it's been a minute, you know, it could be something. And, you know, I don't know that the Sholos match had any sort of effect on Loyal. I mean, it's a different opponent. They're right back to playing USL Comp. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's possible for a clean sheet. You know, you're just really going to have to just keep them from going central as where it's going to come. Yeah, um, Orange County hasn't let a goal in since the 10th minute of play uh, um, their June 23rd match again against Los Dos. So clean sheet against Colorado, clean sheet against Tacoma, clean sheet against Sacramento. Um, two of those on the road. Uh, so I, I think this is going to be a really tough uh, game for Loyal. I think that they probably learned some things uh, this weekend against Cholos. Um, I, I think one of the things I noticed is their reluctancy to shoot. Um, it seems like they're trying to find that perfect pass. And I would like to see guys like Tumi Moshabane take a chance or two. I think he's trying to be as be unselfish. And I think maybe he can be unselfish by being selfish, right? We talk about this right. where you, you know, you put a shot on goal, you create chaos, right? This is like that Corey Herzog goal where it's, you know, goal mouth scramble. And that doesn't happen if you don't put a shot on goal. Like we saw this several times against Cholos where shot comes in, it gets blocked or gets saved but not caught, and now it's a scramble and, you know, all tactics go out the window. It's can you get to that ball first and can you just put that ball back on, on the net? I saw in practice today where, you know, a ball bounces around and a guy just, like, puts it right back in and it's an easy goal because it bounces to him. So I like to see guys like Blake uh, refine that shooting form. I like to see guys like Mosho Bane um, – take a couple chances. Uh, and I, I think Ben Spencer, 
uh, has an opportunity to really kind of get going. I know that he's a um, love-hate kind of thing with the fan base. Um, maybe people are kind of off on him, uh, but I think he's got a really good strike. I think he can hit the ball pretty well. I think he just needs to get a little bit more confidence, and um, and, and he needs to shoot as well. Uh, Nikki Jackson looked a little bit rough. Um, maybe he needs to take a few more touches. Um, but I, I think this game is geared up for uh, some guys to step in. Uh, I'm guessing it's probably going to be the pre- a pretty standard setup with, um, you know, Herzog and Guido and Blake and uh, Moshe Bonnie all kind of being on the pitch together. And I think that can be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, it's a good call right there. I mean, all the names you named are, are guys that entertain. So, I mean, I mean, maybe Moshe Bonin comes off the bench with uh, Abara starting. That that's a tough one too. Like Abara is a really good player, but Moshe Bonin is definitely pushing him. So maybe Moshe Bonin comes in that that you know, couple you know, last twenty minutes or so, fifteen minutes. Uh, and really puts in a good shift against Orange County when legs get a little tired. But again, I think this is really going to be a defensive battle more than an offensive battle. I think we're going to see Orange County defending really well and trying to get goals off of that. Um, And I think San Diego is going to try to hold on to possession. So I think both both teams have their strength. Uh, They're going to be able to play to a strength. And so it's going to be a really interesting chess match. It's going to be one of those. This isn't going to be like a, 3-2 3-2 shootout. This is going to be a, a tactical chess match of who's working what and uh, who is uh, executing. I think that's what it's boil, going to boil down to. Uh, Chris, do you have any uh, thoughts and or predictions? Hmm. Well, I'm not thinking it's going to be a clean sheet unless it's a nil-nil situation and i think that both clubs are capable of putting some in the back of the net um uh, i don't want to sound too generic but i I really do think it's going to be kind of a i I think there's going to be multiple goals but i feel confident that san diego could get the upper hand i'm going to go three two as a prediction i know that's a lot of goals i know we're asking a lot but hear me out. Orange County is a competitive squad, and typically teams rise to the occasion, even when they're still trying to figure out their own situations. I mean, just look at every San Diego Phoenix match that there ever has been, and just look at the matches that surrounded those matchups, you know, and what some of the the other results were. I mean, I think that San Diego will um, – We'll rise to the occasion with Orange County. So, yeah, that would be a first of the season for San Diego to give up for uh, more than one goal at home. Although they tend to give up one goal at home, that's kind of been their mo. Um, Los Dos, Phoenix, uh, except for Oakland, uh, Las Vegas, and most recently Sacramento. It's kind of been they give up a goal on average at home and score one to two. Uh, so scoring a couple at home is not out of the question. Um, 
who do you think is uh, a guy to keep an eye on for this match for uh, San Diego? Herzog. Corey Herzog. I think that he's your he's your blitz, Craig. That you know is always just kind of a barrage in front of the goal. Um, for this man, a Dr. Pepper. Uh, I believe the the locals will have a uh, they will have a fresh jug of it in their cooler. Yeah, um, I, I think um, for me, I think Jack Metcalf and Elijah Martin are going to be the guys to look at as far as um, keeping guys like Chris Weehan and Brian Olaski uh, in check. Although Olaski doesn't necessarily play on the wing. Um, I think that the back line is going to have a lot of work to do. Um, Josh Yarrow is going to have his hands full with guys like Markinen and uh, Rob Kiernan on set pieces. Uh, but I'm going to say keep an eye on um, Metcalf and how he plays uh, against Chris Weehan. I think that's going to be a really key matchup um, for San Diego and Orange County. So um, we talked about a lot about Chris Weehan and how important he is to Orange County. So I think how Jack Metcalf Jack Metcalf uh, responds to that is going to be important, right? With we, we saw that with Santi Moore and his ability to make that adjustment. I think we're going to see that again uh, against Orange County with those trying to keep those wings. Because um, I think they're going to try and push and spread San Diego out um, because Ma, uh, Martin and, Me- and Martin and Adams are really solid in that midfield. Um I think it's going to be a battle of kind of wing backs versus wingers all night long for both teams. I think that's going to be the key matchup to watch. So my guy to keep an eye on is Jack Metcalf. Uh, Prediction. Oof. Yep. (sighs) Throw it down. I, I really want like a full car wash. So I'm hoping a clean sheet at some point. Uh, But I, I I, got to get the interior too. Yeah, I got like super like it's like Scotch Guard stuff. It's pretty awesome. Like I spilled water and it like didn't seep into the seat. It like <laughs> stayed on the seat and I just like wiped it off. It was legit. Um, oof. Let's see, because I'm gonna have to make a prediction on orange and black as well, and I want to well, be consistent. While you're thinking about that, I just want to yeah. say what's up to the four folks that are that are watching right now. You know, drop into the comments, say hey, what's up? Don't leave us lonely here. The one week that. Marissa's not on, so come on, drop in, say what up. Uh, okay, back to you. Um, ooh, I think Orange County is in a tough string of matches. Uh, they played last Saturday against Sacramento. They're playing tomorrow. They're playing again on Saturday um, against uh, Rio Grande Valley. Um, I, I think that they, they're probably going to rotate a little bit. Um, so I think they're going to probably not, they're going to play for, um, I think they're going to play for a draw, probably play it like defensive, not take a lot of chances. So I'm not, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to go a one nil victory for San Diego. Okay. Okay. I think, I think we're going to, I'm either going to be really wrong or, or, and you be really right. Really right. (laughs) Right. I, I, I think ooh. you got to start being wrong. Yeah, that's what you I got to maybe. I've been really wrong with the Orange County predictions. I've been all I got called a two-two draw for Sacramento. I thought it was, should have been a draw, but red cards and shenanigans that always screw things up. Um, especially after how 
kind of poorly they played against Tacoma. Um, but I think right now both teams are looking to kind of rebound and refine their form. Both teams have not played their best soccer lately. Uh, still getting ugly wins. I think both teams are really kind of like showing their medal as far as getting ugly wins, fighting for draws, um, not concede, not not dropping all of their points, which uh-huh. is you know which is huge. Um, but I think Orange County is in a tough stretch right now where they're just playing a ton and ton of games. Uh, they have eight games in July. Uh, yeah, they did Thursday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So I think this is going to be a tough match for them. And I think we're if we can keep our energy level up, we don't play again until the 24th. I think this comes down to um, either getting a goal early and, and defending really well or uh, really being patient with our opportunities and, and getting a goal late um, and, and keeping that possession uh, possession game going. Uh, so I don't see this as being high scoring. I would be ecstatic if it was a high scoring win, but um, yeah. Any last thoughts, Mr. Walker? Yeah, I got I got a last thought for you. Um, you'll you'll like this, right? It's, it has nothing to do with anything. Um, but the next time you're going to order a caramel macchiato, don't just order a vanilla latte with caramel drizzle and. Uh, you know, however you like your, however you like your espresso shots. So there you go. There's your, there's your final thought. Does that, does that save you money? It does actually. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I think someone was like, don't, don't get a latte, get an espresso and then just put like half and half. Like you're paying for, mm-hmm. you're paying too much money for the milk. I don't know. I, all I make the times they punch things in. <laughs> we make coffee at home, so we uh, we do the French press, and so uh, we don't we don't go out. We still support uh, the Lestats is a local coffee shop around town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during COVID, we tried to like support the local businesses that we would normally go to, and so we got to ordering coffee through them. So we just had we buy it whole bean coffee by like five pounds every month or so, and grind and French press it up so we can support a local business and uh, we don't have to sit in line and order behind someone who orders a half chai four pump latte with skim milk no foam I don't know if that's even a thing Um, whatever you dream it it can be yeah yeah and my last thought um, (laughs) do I have a last thought I had a lot of thoughts tonight so I might be out of thoughts you might. Uh, I might be. Uh, it is Pride still in San Diego. San Diego gets like an extra month because uh, San Diego celebrates Pride in July instead of June. It was just this, the Pride Parade was uh, last Saturday, I believe. Uh, so we get an extra month of celebrating. Uh, so for San Diegans, I uh, hope you enjoyed your Pride weekend. Um, and those of you who donated to Playing for Pride, uh, you should have received your text messages to donate. Uh so make sure, I believe it was 12 goals. Uh, so make sure you are doing your donations to Playing for Pride. Um, and take a look. Oh, uh, the other thing was after the beach cleanup, because that's the last time we talked. Um, I think it's Hands Out San Diego. Um, if you just look at our Twitter feed, uh, San Diego is teaming up with some organizations that are encouraging people to go out and do community service. Uh, and if you... Uh, 
hit up some of those events. It's I think it's free to register if you hit up some of those events. Uh, the highest um, hour total people will be recognized by the club at the end of the season. Uh, sort of some ways to get involved in the community and give back um, and get recognized if that's what you need uh, to do. Uh, but there's tons of opportunities to get involved. Uh, there's the youth camp for with the Chicano Federation that's going on right now. So San Diego Unified School District uh, kids. It's free. It's a week. Uh, 8.30 to 3.30, you go down to Shula Vista and you train with the team uh, and or train with some players. So check it out. Uh, there's lots of stuff to get involved in the community, lots of things to celebrate Loyal. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you guys all out there uh, tomorrow if you're listening live or if you're listening to the podcast version tomorrow. Uh, we hope to see you out against Orange County. Um, yeah. Chris, where can we find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at by Chris Walker. Want to give a special shout out to the locals and Chavos de Loyal and the uh, Rainbow Loyal fans. And uh, Alan, where can we find you on the internet? A Underwood Forty Eight on the Twitter machines. That's where you can find me. And uh, we will see you guys at the game, or we will talk to you guys next week. Bye bye. See ya. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.